I'm Chuck Allen, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Sugar Hill Church. And thank you guys for coming and being a part of uh, Sugar Hill Church and part of our family this morning. We have two services, actually three services on Sunday. We have a 9.30 service in here, the 11 o'clock you're a part of, and right now there is a, a Spanish-speaking service over in our chapel with about 180 or so folks in that room as well. And of course, kids uh, have programming and students have programming during this hour all through that. But thank you so, so much. You can tell today is Lanier Football Day. Welcome home, guys. Yeah, we are so glad you're here. Hey, come on. So, uh, folks always ask me, they say, well, you know, Chuck, you do all this stuff at Lanier High School. How come you don't do that stuff at North or Buford? Well, we, we'd love to, but those are our boys. You know what I mean? I mean, these folks are here in the city of Sugar Hill. So, uh, uh, and by the way, they, they let us. So how cool is that? So, uh, so we have become huge Longhorn fans around here. You guys had a big win Friday night against Gainesville. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When you win in Gainesville, you've done something. I'm telling you, you, you go up there and those folks take it seriously. I mean, we're talking bad redneck football up there in Gainesville, man. They are called the Red Elephants. Think about it. Somewhere, somebody said, what a great name for a football team. Red Elephants. They were smoking the hymnal when they did that one. I'm telling you, good night. But big win. You guys play Friday night in the playoffs. I believe you got Centennial over there. And uh, you're going to take care of some business. Yeah. So uh, we got a video we want to share with you. But before we do, I want to introduce you guys. Uh, you you guys come on out. Uh, I know all you players and parents know, but a lot of our Sugar Hill Church folks may not know all these folks, and I want to make sure you get to know them because these are just some of the finest men on the planet. Uh, this guy right here is Matt McDonald. He's one of our own, he and Haley, and they're cute little girls. Uh, Matt is the AD. Yeah. You know, the athletic director always gets the golf clap. Have you noticed that? It's like the head coach gets the, yeah, you know, and the AD gets the, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I know. But I've also noticed you're the guy who gets blamed for everything. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're so glad y'all are part of our church. We love you guys. And this is Coach Corey Mobs. He is football coach. Like I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just remember, he works for him. So, you know, make sure you get all that figured out. And uh, this right here is the brand new principal at Lanier High School, our own Dr. Chris Martin. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. We, uh, we've been trying to get rid of Reuben for years, man. You know? It's like, you know, Dr. G's just, you know, he walks with that strut, you know, and he's got that big old head. And so we've been praying for years. God, could we get a nice principal, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Dr. Gresham, but now he's a big shot. I saw him the other day. You'll appreciate this, Dr. Martin. I saw him the other day before he left on his trip, and I noticed that now that he's like a big shot in the county, he's got a little extra swagger. Did you see it, Trip? It's kind of like, like that. And I thought, come on, man. We all know you're just Dr. G. He's out today, which is why I'm saying all this, because he would beat the dog out of me. Yeah. Folks ask me, are you wearing orange for Auburn? Let me just be clear, no. I hate them, no. Orange, this shirt is called shirt on sale. That's what this is. So before we kind of recognize these guys, uh, we got a little video we want to show you. And let me just say to Trip Atkinson, uh, our associate pastor, just, man, his, he is the voice on the video and he and his team put this together and I thought it was really cool. You guys are gonna totally dig it. Go ahead and run it, guys this. This is the place. 
This is a place you dreamed of playing as a kid, wearing this jersey, this helmet. This is the place, the place where men are made and character is earned. The place you are pushed beyond perceived limits and unknown strength is revealed. This is the place where family gathers, where brotherhood reigns, where real is celebrated and legacy remembered. In this place, battles are fought and memories made. This place is special. It is both a playground and a battleground. It's a classroom in which character is taught and a stage on which courage is displayed. In this place, there is no elation like that of victory and no pain like that of defeat. You know what it has taken to get here and you don't want it to end because you love this game. You love these people. You believe your coach when he says he loves you because he has pushed you, challenged you, encouraged you, and helped you to be better today than you were yesterday. Each practice, each game, each experience has changed you. It has introduced you to yourself and has grown every aspect of your being. So be thankful for this place, these people, and be thankful for these emotions, the joy and the pain. They are both evidence that you are part of something great. They are confirmation that what you have done matters, proof that a difference has been made. Now, don't let it end. The lessons, the love, the attitude, the gratitude, take them all and look ahead with the mind of a warrior and the heart of a champion. Seize this moment with character, class, and a commitment to excellence in everything you do because you are a longhorn for life. There is greatness in you. Go let it out. I want to run through something now. Yeah. Come on. That is good stuff, buddy. You and your staff just killed it. You guys may not know this, but uh, Trip. Uh, he lives and breathes with these guys, man. When you're over there with them, uh, he's like one of your coaches. And I got to tell you, I know how many hours that you give to these guys that's not church related at all. And uh, just for the record, that's the guy I want to serve with. And man, I'm grateful for you. you re you're killing it, buddy. You really are. Yeah. What's really cool is when you watch Tripp's sons on the sideline with him doing the balls, it's like, man, what a dream for a kid. That's a pretty cool deal. So listen, when, when, uh, when we got a new principal and Dr. Chris here came on board, all kidding aside, Dr. Gresham has been a blessing and is a blessing to our church. What an incredible human being. But when we knew he was, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when we knew he had, had gone to be with the county, which sounds like a, a death, but I, don't, I didn't mean it that way. Uh, Y'all know what I mean. And uh, we literally had dozens of people praying that you would be this man. And I was one of them. And I got to tell you, man, I am so grateful that you're here. Thank you for Thank being, you. Thank thanks you. for being our new principal, being the man you are. God bless you, man. That's awesome. Thank you. And Corey Mobs. Um, you don't, get, you don't get to brag on ball coaches on things that have nothing to do with football often. Uh, he's a great ball coach, but I happen to know of how many times way outside the world of football or athletics that you invest in these individual kids who, who need that. And um, this world has a great shortage of men like that. And as for me and my house, coach, 
we'll line up with you every day of every year because I'm grateful for the kind of man you are and the kind of man you instill into those guys. Thank you for being our coach. Yeah, man. And Matt. So Matt came on board and jumped in with Sugar Hill Church about a year or so ago. And one of the funny things that happened was, uh, so I know his wife's dad, right? We're kind of the same age. And we went to church together years ago and talked Sunday school together. And so when they got here on their first Sunday, Haley saw that Chuck Allen was speaking. And she said, oh, they have a guest speaker today. I know him. And uh, then figured out, well, he's the pastor. And then they delayed joining for like a month. <laughs> was there anything about that I needed to know? No, so we're still working through it. Okay, well, I just I want to share this with you, though. Have you ever seen a cuter face than that right there? <laughs> Seriously? I mean, I, it doesn't scream AD. It just says, I'm just one of the prettiest men alive. <laughs> yeah. So we got a few gifts we want to share with you guys and to let you know how much you are loved. And, Coach, I, I think you, you wanted to share a word. All right, man. Oh, by the way, so the last time I heard uh, Coach Mob speak, he had a sledgehammer in his hand, and it was one of those uh, one of those yard concrete bulldogs you have out there because they were playing the bulldogs that night. And at the end of his talk, he took this sledgehammer and literally beat the dog to death. And I thought then that was one of the coolest speeches of all time. If you guys had just won that night, it'd been super. But. <laughs> But still, it, it wasn't because you didn't do it right, man. I mean, you were all about it. So I, I got to fill Chuck in on there's some things that we don't share. And, and that's probably one of them. No, I'm just kidding. We, uh, we had uh, the, the opportunity to have Chuck come speak to our team before that night. And um, so, so I asked Tripp, I said, can I just say a, a word? And, and I do have a preacher in the family, but I promise not to preach. Uh, I asked my wife earlier, I got to speak in the tent when we had breakfast, and I said, how did it go? Everything sounded good. She said, it sounded great, but you're so loud. And so I apologize. That's kind of the life that I live. Uh, maybe it's try to get through these young men. But I do want to say thank you to Sugar Hill Church. This is what community is. Yeah. Right here. In action, being lived out every day. As I... As I sat down last night in between watching film, getting ready for Centennial, to list out the numerous, the, the things that this church does for us as a high school and as a program, I, I just had to put the pen down. And I, literally, I'd be here all day, and so I promise that I won't do that. I just want to say thank you. And for those of you that don't have a clue what goes on, it's right here in front of us. Yeah. And it's the commitment, the investment, the relationships that, are, that go way beyond anything that happens on the field. Yeah. And maybe ultimately one day I'm gonna be judged for wins and losses, but I do know in the time that I have with these young men, that's the way our program's gonna go. Yeah, amen. So thank you, and I know that's not enough, but young men, if y'all would give Sugar Hill Church a round of applause. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Hey, I do wanna take a minute. If you're one of our assistant coaches, would you stand up? If you, I know we got a bunch of we got a bunch of assistant, assistant coaches. Stand up here. A lot of them are watching film right now. They left that. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> coaches told me a, a bunch of them had to leave after the 9:30 to go watch film. So <laughs> that's funny, man. I don't care who you are. That's funny. So coaches, thank you. Uh, we're grateful. Hey guys, our church wants to say thanks for being our team. We love you guys. Well done, man. Yeah, well done. So, uh, hey, you guys get out of here. I got to take an offering.
You got to pay for all that junk we just gave you, man. Come on. <laughs> they got some cool stuff, though. I'm telling you, man. I know it. I wanted Coach Ball. Hey, by the way, talking about cool stuff, uh, you can help us. Uh, over the last four weeks in our little store that we opened, uh, so we've, we have been able to take from the, uh, the net profits on all the stuff in the store, and we've been able to give about $5,000 to our benevolence ministry, which helps people in need. How cool is that? And so we got some new caps and cool stuff over there today. So after service, you guys go by, please. That would help us a ton and uh, be very cool. I want to gather our team together to take up our offering now, and I want to encourage you to give generously. Uh, our church does a ton in 11 public schools around here. Uh, as you guys know, over the past few weeks, you've given now more than $50,000 to uh, the work we do with Care for AIDS in uh, Kenya and with uh, support for the folks that got hit by the storm. And uh, it just blows my mind. And then yesterday, we had this car show here at church. And um, uh, we don't do a lot of those kind of things, but we did because they support one of our primary mission partners, which is the North Gwinnett Co-op. And so out of that little car show, we were able to give to the North Gwinnett Co-op a little over $12,000 from a silly car show. Is that cool or what? Yeah. And so uh, if you've got one of, one of those ideas where you say, man, I wish we could do X, just know if it supports one of our present mission partners, man, we're kind of all about it. So we'd love to try to help and serve you any way we can. Uh, if you're new around here, there's a little guest card in the seat back in front of you. And if you'd be so kind to fill it out, and I promise you, we'll never come knock on your door unless you ask us to, uh, but we're just happy to send you an email with a little information about our church and tell you all about that. So let's give generously and joyfully to all that the Lord's doing here and what he's about to do. God, thank you. We have the privilege and the honor of being able to give back to you some of what you've already given to us. And Lord, I'm grateful for folks who have already given on the app, folks who have already given online, folks who have given through their bill pay service. And Lord, I'm grateful. This is a church, Lord, that you have, uh, you've crafted to be generous like you. And I pray we would never, we never get tired of trying to do good things for the right reasons. Lord, bless the giver, bless the gift, multiply it in the basket in the bank for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So while these guys are doing this, uh, let me just encourage you. We've got a special thing next, uh, next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. in the room we call the underground. So if you just went to the back corner of the church, all the way to the bottom, uh, we have a place there called the underground. It's really, it's really cool. It's got sofas and oversized chairs and stuff where it's really comfortable. But at 9.30, the next two weeks, we're going to have a parenting class specifically for teens. So if you're a parent or grandparent of, of a teenager, then I want to encourage you. I, I wrote a, a, a one-class a one curriculum that's entitled, If I Could Get a Mulligan on Parenting Teenagers. Jenny and I have six daughters, all, through, all have gotten through uh, high school, and four of them now out of college. Praise Jesus. And, um, and so we've learned a few things about what to and what not to do. So I want to invite you at 930, come join me uh, next Sunday. Then the following Sunday, uh, Tripp will be teaching a class in preparing your student, preparing your family for college. And so I really I just can't, cannot tell you how much we hope you'll come to the 930 service. I mean, the 930 class and then come to the 11 o'clock service. Love to have you do that. And I know it'll be a big deal. Also today, uh, just real quick on the app, uh, when you open it up, one of the first things you'll see at the top is it says, 
near football. And so when you tap that, you'll see all the things that are available for your families. But if you keep scrolling on down, then you'll see uh, some downloads for things like uh, wallpapers for your computer, your tele- for your phone, whatever, and all that stuff. And then right underneath it, the second one is co-op holiday meal support. You know we do this every year, and now's the time where we're going to try and provide 100 meal boxes through the North Gwinnett Co-op. So what this means is uh, they will screen all the families to be able to make sure that people in need get these boxes in preparation for Thanksgiving, which includes the meat and all of the fixings, and it's $50 for a box. So we don't do the boxes anymore. We just give the money, and they do the boxes so they can buy in mass quantity and make it a little easier and a little more productive. And so uh, you, can, you can buy a whole box for 50, or you can do just the meat for 20, or you can do just the fixings for 30, but please do it. We typically do about 75 or 80 of these. They asked if we could do a few more this year because they have greater need, and we said, yeah, absolutely. And so if you can help us with that, you just hit that on the app or on the way out. As you see one of our ushers, they'll have baskets, and you can give to that, and we would so appreciate your help in that. That would be extra cool. So come on and be a part of that, and I promise you, you'll you'll be blessed by it. I'm grateful for these men, and I'm so thankful uh, for you guys. Today, I want to talk about a topic that's true for every person in the room. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where I run across people all the time. I mean, everywhere I go, I, I hear people that are in the same kind of predicament. And it seems like I do this all the time, but this morning I thought, I'm just going to take this day and either prove or disprove my theory. And so if, if you're one of those people that today I said, hey, how's your week been? Here's what I've heard from about 30 people today, which is about 90% accurate, and it comes to something like this. I'm busy. I'm just so busy. I'm tired. I'm just so tired. Everywhere I turn, I find folks that are just like, I, I cannot seem to get all my life together. Chuck, what do I do to get my life together? And I mean, let's face it, this world is not an easy place. I mean, we, we fight for every dollar. We have to try to get the right job. We're pulling 80-hour weeks. Everything we've got with, with technology kind of keeps us on a leash to our career. We do everything we can. We, we got kids playing travel ball. We got kids playing high school ball. We, we got expectations. We got needs. And before you know it, we're completely at the end of our rope. And that what, what brings us to today's sermon title, which is, How in the World Do I Get My It Together? You, yes, you heard that right. And one of my prayers this morning is I don't turn that two-letter word into a four-letter word. Because let's face it, don't we all need to get our it together? I mean, at the end of the day, do we not need to get our it together? But the problem is you can't get your it together if you don't know what it is. I mean, at some point, we've got to figure that out. Because if you're like the vast majority of people I know, there's tension in a marriage, there's tension with children, the job is taking all that I've got, we need more income. At the end of the day, a, a husband or, or, or a wife says to their spouse, I don't love you anymore. The doctor says you've got cancer. You had all of the things that are happening in and around our life and you add to it things like terror attacks. You, you, add, you just look at civil challenges that we have in every corner of the world trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, who's the good guys, who's the bad guys. It doesn't take long before you figure out, man, this world's gotta get its it together but we better figure out what it is. Because if we're all struggling to try to get it together, or maybe you're in that group that says, man, I've got my it together. I have no problems at all in my life. I'm making more money than I need. My, My spouse loves me and serves me like I'm the greatest thing on earth. 
My kids are perfectly behaved. My church is awesome. I even like my pastor. Okay, that chuckle was not necessary. (laughs) Maybe you're in that group, but I got to tell you, if you're there, I don't know you yet. Because everybody I know is struggling to try to figure out how how do I get it together. So I thought I might, for the sake of clarity, put together a handful of things that might answer the question, what's our it and how do we get it together? And so I, I started thinking, well, maybe somebody like King David from the Old Testament, maybe he could give us a clue because, let's face it, God himself said, that's a guy after my heart. God said, that's a man who is after God's own heart. And yet he was a perfectly regular, normal dude. There was nothing about David that came with a halo. I mean, David, he had an affair. David killed the chick he had an affairs with husband. He's a murderer. He's a cheater. I mean, at one point, David is looking over the city and he's talking about how wicked things are. And his helper has to say, and David, you're that guy. I mean, he wasn't perfect in any, in any stretch. I mean, he was a normal dude who had enough of his own screw-ups where the whole world was like, I know you're not perfect. And yet, his heart was bent after, I want to get behind that and I want my heart to chase after God. Listen to what he said about getting our it together because he said, it's one thing to ask. He said, it's one thing to ask. He said in the Psalms, chapter 27, verse 4, the one thing I ask of the Lord... The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Now, here's what David is saying. At the very top, he says, there's one thing. So he understands that the only thing that matters to him right now is what is the next thing to do. Whatever it is in counseling, they teach you nothing changes until something changes. And the next thing that changes is David as he says, there's one thing that I need to take care of. Now, it makes two big assumptions. One, David recognizes he has a need in his life, like hopefully we do, that there's something missing in this life that where we're running as fast as we can, we're on a treadmill, it doesn't seem like we ever arrive. David says, there's one thing I gotta deal with and I'm going to find that because he's going to ask God. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord. Then he goes on and at the end he says, and here's the two things that matter. I want to experience all of the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. You say, well, man, that that doesn't apply to me. Well, watch this. What David is actually saying, if I were to take that last phrase and put it into our 2017 vernacular, here's here's what David, I believe, is saying. I want all the good that God has for me because everything I've got right now is not meeting this need that's in my soul. There's something missing in my heart. My life is not under control. I don't have it together. I want all that God has for me. And David has this recognition that what God has for him is a measure of perfection. And that perfection is the recognition that God can and God will meet every need that you have today, including an eternal life in heaven. And David comes together, the man after God's own heart, and he says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want all of his perfections. And by the way, I want to meditate in his temple. Now, if you've been around Sugar Hill Church long enough, you'll know I'm big on meditation. I, I, I believe with all my heart that when you set aside a time of quietude and solitude and you read a short piece of scripture and you pray out loud, there's one last part. You got to shut up and listen. 
I think the big it that comes out of this is what is the one thing I ask for and am I willing to hush and listen for his voice? I know a lot of people will say, Chuck, I have never heard God speak. And my, my typical response is, I, I get that. I totally get that. But you know, you really, it's hard to listen when you're always talking. One of the things that the Lord did for us, he gave us two ears and one mouth just to give us clarity of what we're supposed to do. And David says, I'm going to meditate. And what he's saying in this is, I want all that God has for me. And then I want to understand what he wants me to do. You see, we start with this it. You see, there's some of you here today, you kind of come in three categories. I mean, I got, I got in, in a room like this, we've probably got eight or 900 people maybe. And I got, I got one group who's like, Chuck, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just, it just seems like I don't have enough time to do it. I got another group that says, man, I want to do it. I just, I can't figure out what it is. And then I got another group that says, you know what? I think maybe I've lost my window and maybe I'm done. And what I'd say to all of you is David is living proof that you're not done. David is living proof you can have clarity. David understood this one thing that I need. I, I need to come to the Lord for this one thing. And what is it? That I might be able to hang out with God himself. I always have this picture that if you've been in my, my Wednesday night small group, you'd know that I have this picture that what David's talking about is like he's opening this old door that's got one of those really cool antique handles and he opens the door and the door creaks a little bit and he walks into this room that's super cool with books all the way up to the ceiling and this, this rough kind of floor where you walk on and it creaks a little bit and there's a fire over in the fireplace and it's oversized, it's got like four foot logs and you, you can hear them crackling and then there's this leather seat over to the side and it's well worn and it's super comfortable and there in that seat is God our creator and we get to open the door and we hear it creak and we creak across the floor and he reaches out his hands like this and we jump into his hands and sit in the chair with him and then we do this meditative thing where we say God you are my heavenly dad I just want to tell you how messed up my life is and God the Father wraps his arm around us and he says, I know. Do you know how much I love you? You know how much I, wanna, I want you to experience all that I have. I want you to experience all my perfection. I want, I want you to meditate in my temple. But I guess I would ask this question. You know, that takes just a few minutes. And I know a lot of folks in here would say, you know what, Chuck? I don't have time for that. And what I would say is, so let me get this right. Our lives are in a mess. We're running 100 miles an hour. We're on a treadmill. We're going nowhere. And God says, wait a minute. There's not 10 minutes out of your 24 hours that you can give me to meditate in my presence. And I would say, if you want to get your it together, we better start with that it. We've got to start with this one thing, the presence. I need to be in the presence of the goodness of a God who has plans for me, plans that I might wildly succeed, and he is for me. He's not against me. God is not some heavenly FBI agent that's looking to flunk you on the back of the head. He is saying, I want, I want my child. I want you to succeed wildly. So it's one thing to ask for, but watch this. It's also one thing you lack. The gospel writer Mark in chapter 10, verse 21 said, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And then he said, in answer to this guy's question, you know what his question was? How can I have eternal life? How can I live forever? How can I have the things that you promised, Jesus? And Jesus goes on and says, there's still one thing you haven't done. 
Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, this is known as the story of the rich young ruler. Now, most of us hear this and think, okay, I knew it. I knew the preacher inevitably is going to get to my money. So let me stop and say this is not a story about money. Jesus isn't even talking about money. What Jesus is making a point of with this guy, this guy, remember his question. This guy doesn't ask, how can I get a greater, a greater return on my investment? This guy says, how can I have life abundantly and how can I have a life eternally? And Jesus says, this one thing you got to deal with, and it is your love of your money. Now watch this. It may not be your money, but what Jesus is clearly saying in this is, if this is you and this is in the presence of God, Whatever is between you and him, whether it's money, career, whatever it is, he says, get rid of it. You're never going to get your it together if you leave something between you and God. If you're willing to take, I'm going to trust my 401k more than I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust my career path more than I'm going to trust God. We're never going to be able to find the it and live it. Because Jesus is saying pretty clearly, is there any room in your priorities for him to fit in your life? You see, Jesus is not playing hide and seek from us. He wants to be found and he wants you to find him. He's not saying, hey, I'm amidst all the other gods. I'm, I'm one more cool book on the, on the shelf. Jesus is saying, whatever's between you and God, get rid of it. Because when you do, you're gonna find the right it. So it starts with, it's one thing to ask. It's one thing that you have to lack. And then there's one thing that's necessary. Luke, the gospel writer says in chapter 10, verse 41, but the Lord said to her, and he's speaking to a lady by the name of Martha. My dear Martha, you're worried and upset. I love that phrase. You're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now watch what the, the, the story is happening. Jesus and his 12 guys are hanging out in this house, and they're having a meal together. And Mary has chosen to go in and sit and spend her time with Jesus and his disciples. Martha, on the other hand, is in the kitchen slaving. She, she's got wrinkles on her finger trying to wash dishes. Palm olive hadn't come out yet. She's scrubbing, she's doing it, all the work. And haven't you ever been the person that did all the work and somebody else got the credit? Haven't you ever been that guy? Listen, I'm a pastor, it happens to me all the time. It's like, you know, every time the staff does something good, I get the credit for it and I don't deserve it. But it happens all the time. And you know what Martha's, so let me tell you something, Jesus. All she's doing is she showed up for 11 o'clock church. I got here at 7.30 this morning to unlock the doors and to get the AC on. I put chairs in here. I practiced with the band. All she did was show up. And Jesus, I know, isn't that great? You see, all the work we do in 11 schools, all the work we do in Kenya, all the work we do in Haiti, all the work we do with the PATH Project, everything that we do, all of that is great. But watch this. If you're saying, Chuck, I can't do both. I can't trust God with all my heart, all my life, all my soul, all my mind. I can't do that and serve. You know what I'd say? Then this is one thing you can get this it right on. Are you ready? Choose to get to the feet of Jesus. Listen to me. Don't, listen, if you're taking any notes, you want to tweet anything, are you ready? Success is found at the feet of Jesus. You want to wildly succeed? Then clearly 
what we understand is this. I've got to get there. All the things that we should do ought to be an overflow of what God has done in our heart when we've simply said, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to live for you. I want to know you. I want to hear from you. I want to talk with you. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't know how to talk to God. Well, let me give you a clue. You're right. Watch this. God, my day has stunk so bad. I'd give anything if you'd just give me a little energy so that I could make it to bedtime. This kid is killing me. And I, I, I'm dying here. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be under-incomed by about $400 this month. I just, God, I need you to do something for me. So if that's an easy prayer, let me tell you what not to do. Whatever you do, don't break out the preacher talk. Oh, Father, I shall need a filet of fish. I mean, lose it. Come on, God knows you don't talk like that. Seriously, when is the last time you went through the drive-thru at Wendy's and said, I shall have a fiery stick of chicken, please? You don't do that. I mean, then God's going to read. It's like, what's wrong with you? And here's the whole story. He's saying, Martha, listen, all that work ought to happen simply because you were with me. You're going to do good things in my name. Parents, players, our, our church is here for you whether you come to this church or not. This isn't about you coming to Sugar Hill Church. Listen, that's nowhere on our radar. Man, we, we wanna provide and support and love you guys because we believe God's told us to do that and we take that seriously. It is an absolute joy to do this stuff for you. There's no hook. You don't have to give us credit for deadly. You don't have to come to this church. You don't have to join this church. Listen. I, if there's anything you players, I want you to hear, Trip Atkinson, it, he isn't paid to do what he does for you. He shows up because he believes in you and he loves you. That's the only reason. Jesus is saying, man, all the good stuff you do, make sure you're doing it for the right reason. And then there's two more it's. It says, it's one thing that I got to know. I've got to know this. John wrote in chapter 9, verse 25, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. Remember the old hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound? It goes on and says, I once was blind, but now I see. It comes from this story. Jesus, on a Sunday, on the Sabbath day, he comes into town and there's a dude sitting there that has never seen. He was born blind. He's never seen the world. And Jesus walks into town and he kind of stoops down and he looks at this guy and he says, would you like to see? And the guy says, yes, can you do that for me? And Jesus does his thing. Now on the one hand, of course the dude says, once blind, now I see. But you see, Jesus wasn't just dealing with his physical blindness, he was dealing with his spiritual blindness. Every time you read about a miracle in the Bible, we see and understand so easily the physical part, but in every case, there's a spiritual application. What he's saying to you and to me is this, some of us are spiritually blind. We don't see the things of God. We don't feel the promptings of God. We don't understand the language of God. And it all comes from this one cohesive thought where there were religious leaders of the church at the time. And when Jesus came into town on the Sabbath day and he healed this man, the more religious you were, the more ticked off you got because the religious law said you can't do anything on Sunday. 
But Jesus, the son of God himself, comes and heals this dude on a Sunday. So all the religious people are totally freaked out. Here's what I love about Jesus. He's like, okay, whatever. Do your thing. So they come to interrogate the dude who can now see. And as he replies, he, this verse is his answer to them when they're trying to say, okay, what did he do to you and did he work on the Sabbath? Because see, they're more concerned about following a rule than they are watching and being a part of what God is doing. Let me just give you a clue. The more religious the person is, the farthest and the hardest you ought to run away from them. Because if you're more concerned about following a rule than watching Jesus do something special in your life, you're gonna miss the it anyway because your it is the rule. And Jesus came and said, all the rules, 600 something of them that the religious people had, he said, throw them out the window, here's what matters. Love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Love other people as you love yourself. And then he says, all the rest of that junk, throw it away. You gotta do that. And Jesus is saying, okay, I, I want you to see. Let me say it again. Jesus is not playing hide and seek from you, and he cannot wait for you to come out from hiding to see him. Jesus is for you. Jesus gave his life for you. He was buried in a borrowed tomb for you. He rose from the dead for you. He's gone to sit by the right hand of God the Father to welcome you into his home and that you might have life in abundance and life eternal. And you know what he's saying? There's no rule in that. You don't, you don't have to clean your mouth up before you come to him. You don't have to give up whatever you think you got to give up to him. You don't have to become religious. Please don't. And if you do, don't come here. But give all that junk up. God couldn't care less about the rules. He cares about your heart. And he's saying, this dude, he's on trial. And they said, what did he do to you? And he says, dude, listen, I, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I know this. I was blind a few minutes ago, and now I see. I'm 58 years old. You know how grateful I am that God looked at this miserable life and said, I, I'm going to take your spiritual heart, Chuck, and I'm going to let you see. I'm not going to leave you blind. Listen, the Lord God himself wants to give you that gift. It's such an easy thing. You see, the greatest thing about walking with Jesus, the greatest thing about not being caught up in religion is this one thought that Jesus himself says, just, just call on my name, man. Say, I'm sorry, I'll forgive you. Trust me, let me come live in your life. Man, take your life and let me kind of turn it around. Every world religion in the world says this one thing, it's something you gotta do, and Jesus says, watch this. The only one thing you gotta do is believe me, I've done all the rest. And the last one is, but it's one thing that I do. I really do this. What is the one thing? It, this is the it. All the other four got me to this one place. The apostle Paul was a guy who, he was the religion leader of all the religious people. He was the Pharisee to the Pharisees. He had a pedigree of wealth. He had an education that would blow your mind. And he spent his early life killing people who claimed Jesus as their Lord and claimed to be a Christian. And listen to what he said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. 
He's saying, I haven't arrived yet. Listen, I'm, I'm not some super spiritual dude here. I'm just like you guys. I've messed up like you have. I've sinned like you have. I, I've, I've been disobedient like you have. I've been selfish like you have. And he says, I haven't arrived yet. And then he goes on and says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Listen, Paul is saying, listen to me, folks. I haven't arrived yet. God's still doing something cool in my life. This isn't a one-step deal. We let Jesus come into our life and he kind of saturates us to the bone with his goodness. If you go all the way back to what David asked for, I want the perfect place of Jesus. I want all of his grace. I want all of his mercy. I want all of his goodness. I want all of his power. I want him to do this. I want to be able to win. I want to be able to live for him. So what do you do? I'm going to press on toward that. And I'm going to forget my past. Because you see, you can't live in the past and win in the future. You can't count on two months ago when what you need is power for the next month. Paul says, whatever's in my past, Jesus, my Savior, has forgiven me. And whatever I'm heading into, I'm going to go with him. And you say, well, Chuck, I've never sinned in my life. You just did. You just made yourself a liar. By and large, you know what the church is full of? Hypocrites. Listen, you know what Sugar Hill Church is full of? You know what Sugar Hill Church's pastor is? Hypocrites. You know why? Because, listen, there's nothing perfect in here. I am, I, am, I am the least, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm just, I can be not a cool dude at all. I can sin with the best of them. I haven't arrived yet either. But here's what I do know. This one thing is it. I'm not going to let the baggage of my past take the place where Jesus wants to be in my present. I'm not going to let the bad choices of my past dictate my future. You say, well, Chuck, listen, this one thing from Christ, that's it? Yeah. But Chuck, you don't know what a hard childhood I had. Man, I, I didn't have a father figure. I didn't have a mom. I didn't. Okay. None of that. God's never walked through heaven going, didn't see that one coming. Nothing has ever occurred to God. I mean, God never walked around and said, huh, how about that? He saw it all. And listen to me. He's saying, if you get this it right, I will carry you. I will provide for you. And I've already done everything you need by dying on the cross and raising from the dead. And all you've got to do is say, count me in on that. Man, that's an it worth living for. I pray you find it. Let's pray. God, there are, uh, there are a lot of folks in this room and watching online. And Lord, there, there are so many of us that would, would say, I don't, I don't have my it together. And I want to. I haven't walked with God. I haven't talked with God. I, I, I've had no room for God in my life, but I want to. And there are folks in here that say, man, I, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have a walk with Jesus. I don't get the whole walk in the room, sit in the chair thing, but man, I want that.
So let me tell you how easy it is. Jesus doesn't make you walk an aisle. He doesn't make you join a church. He doesn't make you Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or Catholic. He just says, call on his name as Lord. And it sounds like this, Jesus, I'm sorry I've made some bad choices. Would you forgive me? Thanks for dying on the cross for me. Thanks for raising from the dead for me. Thanks for not playing hide and seek and let me find you today. I want my it to be you. And I want to make a U-turn in my life. I want to live for you, not for me anymore. Give me that life in abundance and give me that life eternal that you promised if I'd call on your name. So God, today we got folks in here that are in their 70s that would say, count me in. We got folks here in their 50s and their 40s and their 20s that would say, count me in. We got high school freshmen and we got middle schoolers and we got high school seniors. We got ball players. We got coaches. Lord, help us get the it right in our life. Let us know that our it is you and you alone. The first it started with King David saying, I want to live with you. I want your perfection. I want to meditate on you. And it ended with Paul saying, I haven't arrived, but God, you're carrying me. You're doing this work. Thank you. So Lord, let us, let us make you the biggest it in our life. And then we're going to trust you to let us get it together. God, is, it is only you that we have any hope to get it all together. Come be our God. Come be my Savior. Come be our King. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.